Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Janina at Janina Arsenieva, whom I've met on Twitter. Janina is a human rights lawyer from Estonia, living in Brussels with her son. A couple of years ago, she has made the choice to consume and live more ethically, and this had led her to live a more minimalistic life. We will talk about her discovery of minimalism, how she implements it in her daily life as a single mother, and she will share practical and easy tips to get started. She will also share the benefits of minimalism and decluttering, and not only the physical stuff. And to conclude, we will of course look at how minimalism has affected her finances. This episode is for you if you want to know more about minimalism, and if you're looking at simplifying your life as a whole. And no, it does not have to be only about empty cupboards with three coffee cups, white walls, and not owning a car, for example. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Janina. How are you doing today? Hi, Jonathan. It's very good to be here. I'm doing super well. Thank okay, you. fantastic. I'm excited to speak to you, Janina, because I invited you today to speak about maybe not directly personal finance, but minimalism and uh, what it represents to you. So maybe before we dive into the topic, Janina, maybe can you share a little bit about yourself? I know you live in Brussels. You're from Estonia. So uh, yes. So tell us a little bit about you. So I was I was born uh, in the Soviet Estonia. So it was a long time ago, mm-hmm. and um, I came of age uh, when everything around me was very uncertain, and it was a transitional time for many people. And I think that, to an extent, informed my path towards minimalism or towards some of the values that I've chosen for myself. I have. Uh, Uh, lived in Estonia until I was 23, and then I started traveling Europe a little bit. I got education in the UK, and I have lived in Belgium for about 15 years now. And I actually mm-hmm. also spent a year in Luxembourg, where I know you are now, Jonathan. Ah, okay, so you you speak French and all. Uh... Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, I have worked as a um, human rights lawyer. Specifically, I work in disability rights mm-hmm. for around the same time that I have been in Brussels, so 15 years. And that also is something that informs my values a lot because it's not one of those jobs that you actually leave at home at five o'clock and go home to something else. That permeates pretty much everything you do. Mm -hmm. So I very much uh, associate with the disability rights values and the movement of the uh, disability um, community. Uh, another very important thing, probably the most important thing, is that I'm a mom to a five-year-old boy mm-hmm. whose, name Kai, whose name is Kai, and he's actually um, quite bilingual, trilingual even, so that uh, is something that I keep being amazed at every day, wow. at, at how quickly children and how effortlessly children pick up the new knowledge and how important it is to, in a way, introduce them to this knowledge early on because mm-hmm. because it comes so naturally to them. Outside COVID time, I had hobbies. I had uh, a very intense travel schedule. I work a lot with uh, 
Central Asia and Eastern Europe and the countries that you know, looking from Brussels can be considered maybe exotic. Mm-hmm. But the COVID has slowed me down as it has slowed uh, everybody else down. And it has actually been, to me personally, a great opportunity to experience new things mm-hmm. for which I'm extremely grateful. And I know that it has been a super challenging time for so many people who couldn't take advantage of the quiet time that, that the pandemic was supposed to be. And it has been for me. It has been a fairly quiet time for me that has helped me maybe reconsider certain things and also maybe change gears in my in my uh, minimalistic lifestyle. Uh-huh. Yes. So, so before um, COVID hit, were you already looking at minimalism or um, try to be more intentional about your possessions? Yes. Or does, did it kick off with COVID? No, it didn't kick off with COVID. I think it really, um, I have been thinking about this a lot. And I think it does have uh, roots in um, in that post-Soviet transition that I spoke about mm-hmm. earlier. So in the 90s, when the Soviet Union collapsed, I was a teenager. And, um, and we certainly became exposed to a lot of things, not just my family, but the society in general. Mm-hmm. Like I, f- I first, uh, I first tasted Coca Cola when I was fifteen. Imagine Whoa. that. Okay. I know, yeah. I know, we didn't have Coca Cola. We didn't have any other, many other things that people in the West have. And I don't think we felt the absence of them, of course. But then we started being inundated with uh, possessions, with things. People started uh, feeling a little bit more wealthy. Mm-hmm. The borders were opened, and so people started accumulating things, possessions. And I think my family was not an exception. And what we experienced there is something that I only learned the name of very recently. We experienced the so-called the Diderot effect. The Diderot effect um, is named after a French philosopher from, I think, the 17th, maybe 18th century, who had been poor all of his life. And when he was already a little bit older, he suddenly came into some money and he bought himself with this money a very beautiful piece of uh, clothing. Mm -hmm. And he started wearing this piece of clothing. But instead of making him happy, it made him miserable because he realized that everything else surrounding him didn't correspond to his beautiful robe. It was a robe. So he started buying furniture to fit the robe. He started buying shoes, more clothes to buy uh, to fit the robe. And actually that got him back into debt. Mm-hmm. So, and then he said something, uh, I was a master of my old gown and now I'm the slave of this beautiful new gown. And that is something that I think a lot of us experienced Uh, my family certainly did, and I certainly did, the Diderot effect. Mm-hmm. So we had those things that we f- thought we were enjoying just because they were new and they were like this shiny new object. And uh, But in fact, it was, it was, of course, it didn't make us happier. It didn't make me happier. And uh, I think in my case, the accumulation, I was never a very extreme shopaholic. I was never an extreme kind of possession collector but still i had stuff i like shopping i like having stuff yeah and, and as a teenager i guess uh, as a teenager it, it's nice to discover the, all the stuff and maybe uh, for clothing and maybe different yeah. stuff yeah different goods exactly yeah. <laughs> and and when you're in your young 
uh, early 20s, uh, I started earning my money and I wanted to buy things with that money, buy, buy, buy things. <laughs> uh, and then uh, what helped me be more conscientious was actually the, um, the ethical values. So uh, the ethical living started kind of rubbing off me, buy less, buy things of better quality. You know, the four R's, reduce, reuse, recycle or repurpose. Mm -hmm. I think that's how it goes. So uh, I started maybe reducing my possessions or at least not accumulating new ones based on my ethical kind of an, and green values. And also working in human rights, I think I was maybe more exposed to those values yeah. uh, than somebody else who, 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 who works in a different sector. So that was a good beginning. <laughs> but then, Jonathan, I became a parent. And, and so all my good progress was, <laughs> was <laughs> also completely wiped out. And I think the, and the only consolation is that the research confirms that, uh, the, uh, that I was a very obvious victim of consumerism. Mm -hmm. Like the future and new parents are the easiest victims of marketing. Because, I mean, parenting is hard. Of Parenting a young child who doesn't sleep at night uh, is hard. So parents, myself included, we will buy anything that we think that our baby needs because the internet tells us that the baby needs it. And also the contraptions that have been invented to make parents buy stuff, it's just incredible. I mean, designer clothes for newborn babies, special swaddling devices, ergonomic cribs and prams that cost like a fortune, like a small car. And we buy But this it's for their safety, uh, Janina. Pra, pra, yeah, that's a car seat. That's a yeah, car, the seat, car seat. Yeah, But not the pram that you go walk in the park with mm -hmm. your child. And we buy those things uh, because we think it's going to make uh, this experience a little bit easier. That I remember ordering things from the U.S., from uh, everywhere uh, in Europe, I get packages coming home all the time because I was hoping that now I'll buy this new contraption and he will start sleeping. And mm -hmm. I maybe need to try that herbal tea that you can only buy in Canada or something. <laughs> and he will, and he, that will solve all my problems. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, I've, I mean, right now I have the benefit of hindsight and I know that the kind of intervention I needed was more emotional or maybe a psychological support. It didn't solve any of the problems, but it made me feel that I was doing something to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. So parents, uh, uh, parents are very easy victims of... Uh, consumerism? Consumerism, yeah. <laughs> I was looking for like a more dramatic word, but yes, of consumerism. And uh, now my son is five, and uh, I have managed gradually to get him on board my simple living philosophy. Mm -hmm. So I find that the older he gets, the less I buy. But doesn't he want uh, toys and stuff? And uh... He does. He's a child. <laughs> of course he <laughs> wants toys. Yeah. But uh, so here I had to be, uh, of course, creative. Mm -hmm. First of all, I had to also give him a good example. Yeah. I don't surround my, myself with stuff. I don't buy unnecessary stuff for myself so mm -hmm. he doesn't see me you know getting online packages of things that are for me so maybe he's less inclined to ask for things for himself but also um, he gets toys he gets secondhand toys we go to the toy library quite a lot 
and we get toys that we can get to keep for three weeks and then we give them back. I rotate his toys. Children really need a handful of toys. And when I started downsizing on his toys, I realized I've seen, I saw that now then he actually started playing with the, with his toys because mm-hmm. before he had like a huge box of things and that he barely ever played with because there was just too many. His attention span is very short. I mean, he's a young, young child, mm-hmm. but sometimes what I would do, I would remove some toys, put them in storage for a couple of months and then take them back out. And they're like new to him. Yeah. And, and, and it's, that- I like it, uh, this uh, toy rotation thing, because, uh, if I think of myself, I just thought about it uh, yesterday, but I had, for example, this video games or these, uh, I had some, I was a fan of Legos when I was a kid, but I remember that we exchanged sometimes the um, the, the Legos between ourselves, uh, I mean, between yes. my, with cousins or with other kids. I mean, especially the video games, that's an easy one. I lend uh-huh. you one, you give me one, then I finish the game and then you give it back and then you're happy. Yeah, I finished the game, I played it or... Uh, I didn't like it, whatever, but at least it reduces clutter and it, it's exactly. cheaper for the parents. <laughs> it's cheaper for the parents. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's also, as I said, like, I think it has more value for the child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see him sometimes play with uh, really simple things. Like we go outside and he just finds a stick, like really just a stick. And he plays with the stick and that stick can be like i don't know his spaceship his sword his i don't know whatever <laughs> it's hard for me to find to kind of uh, get into the mind of a five-year-old boy <laughs> me being a girl so whatever whatever it is the children do they do very often without the need to have those possessions for example and one thing that uh, he likes doing is taking care of house plants we have a lot of house plants mm-hmm. i like them not a lot, but we have a few house plants, and he really likes taking care of them. He likes watering them. He likes uh, monitoring their growth. Uh, he likes uh, suggesting where those plant pots should go to give them the best exposure to the sun. So he also finds pleasure in things like this that don't actually cost anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that is of huge value. We've discovered, uh, um, we've joined a hiking group with some other parents and we go hiking that that doesn't cost anything. And again, it's great for everybody. We go in the fields, we observe the nature, we interact with other people. And I think to be honest, the children of today, to be honest, the adults of today as well, Jonathan, we don't need more stuff. We need interaction. We need, uh, you know, the human touch and Mm -hmm. that doesn't cost them any money. It's just all it takes is a little bit of effort and obviously the Corona safety right now. But um, I think that's the start. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the start. Oh, very good. And then I'm wondering, because you're having this more minimalistic habits on reducing your clutter, is that something that your family is now doing as well in, back in Estonia? Or uh, is, <laughs> is this something that, they, they have, uh, that, that you're communicating to them as well? Or what about your entourage, for example? Do they look at you like a weirdo who, who owns uh, almost nothing? Or <laughs> I don't know. Well, uh, uh, well. First of all, I do own some things. Again, it's um, I so far haven't found a way to be um, kind of a, a textbook minimalist with a young child in tow. Mm-hmm. So I still, <laughs> you know, it, you still need some things. Mm-hmm. And I think um, before I answer your question, I think 
the journey to minimalism, it needs to be a gradual one. For me, it says, it, for me, it needs to be a gradual one. So mm -hmm. I haven't just done like a packing party, put away all of my possessions and then uh, got rid of them all and then only have like two forks and one chair. <laughs> I, 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 I have stuff that I know that I need, that I use, or something that gives me pleasure. Mm -hmm. And for everything else, I take my time to consciously get rid of my, myself of those things. So like, I don't just throw it away because I don't think that's ecological because I also want it to be in line with my other values. So I try to either sell it or donate it or things that cannot be sold or donated. I try to find a meaningful way to recycle this. So it mm. all takes time and I'm okay with taking this time. So that's just a little caveat that it's a journey. And for, for me, I'm still in the process of reducing the possessions. As for my family, uh, every time I'm over in Estonia, my mother asks me to help her declutter. And I do. And then the following time, the next time I come, she asks me that again. <laughs> so it's kind of, uh, we get rid of things. She brings some new stuff home and then we get rid of things and she brings new stuff home. And uh, with some things, I've noticed that she just says, this dress is too big for me now, but I cannot just throw it away. I cannot because I paid too much money for it. So maybe one day I will wear it again. And I think this is something that a lot of people are familiar with. Yes. Like uh, we all have clothes that we hope to get into one day. We all have things that we hope to start using. Yeah, yeah. Usually we don't. One thing that I, I managed to get through to my parents it is to stop giving me material gifts. They know it very well now. So I don't expect to get gifts for my birthday my birthday is coming up next week and i know that i'm I'll, i'm very safe here i will not be getting material <laughs> possessions well not from them anyway mm -hmm. uh so they know that and that's already a big step forward for them because as i said like my parents they um most of their adult life was in this transitional period uh, mm -hmm. so for them having things having nice things is still uh, some symbol of a I don't want to say status, but it's also a symbol of security, a symbol of, you know, having safety maybe in a way. Like mm -hmm. I have something, yeah. it's important for me, you know. Or I'll, maybe I'll, of uh, free, freedom from their past years, I don't know, this yeah. liberation yes. Yes. feeling. Yeah. Liberation. Very true, very true. So I try to be gentle with them. <laughs> yes, of course, of course. Yeah. And um, people in uh, in Brussels and my in my entourage well, to be honest, uh, because of uh, where I work, uh, a lot of people understand this need to have less mm -hmm. because be, because of their professional uh, specificity. Like I have a lot of people who work in human rights, in social equality, in um, in environmental affairs. So they understand the need to downsize the possessions from maybe the ecological perspective. Mm -hmm. um, uh, usually I found people to be quite respect, uh, respectful, actually very respectful of this, uh, of this, um, tendency that I have now. Mm -hmm. People have been, uh, people have been, uh, supportive mostly, not necessarily, uh, super eager to, uh, blow the trend <laughs> mm -hmm. right away, but I regularly get, uh, invitations from people to help them declutter. Okay. So because like they good. know yeah. <laughs> they know that I will be quite merciless. Mm -hmm. I will be asking them uh, a lot of questions uh, that might be uh, sometimes uncomfortable mm -hmm. because that will that will make them face certain things that they don't necessarily want to face. 
Like, why do you have this? When was the last time you used it? How do you use it? What emotions it pro- this this piece provokes in you? Mm-hmm. So these are not always very comfortable questions that we try to kind of avoid, mm-hmm. but they're necessary. They're necessary. You have to question yourself. I would not recommend uh, anybody to go down the minimalist path just because it's trendy, just because uh, somebody else does it. Uh, I think you need to understand why you're doing this. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to you have to allow yourself to be a little bit uncomfortable. I yeah. think that's uh, essential. Mm-hmm. And then I was wondering about yourself, Yanina, if um, there were some items that you uh, had a difficult time uh, to get rid of actually were there some items i guess some items it's easy you know you have them yeah. you have spare ones or uh, i don't know maybe you you just have too many of them the easy mm-hmm. example is uh, maybe maybe forks or kitchenware maybe this that's an easy one maybe some clothing that are easy or maybe yeah some damaged pieces but then there must be some objects or some some things that uh, that were difficult can you share a few examples maybe I am um, yes. I there is one example, and I'm I still haven't decluttered. Oh well, I I don't call it clutter mm-hmm. because I con- don't consider it as such. But I think some people would. I do have um, photos, and they are some of them would be the black and white photos from my childhood or my school years. That you know that was before everything we, we went digital, and when you still had to go it into some substantial effort to get those photos printed. Mm-hmm. I have quite a few photos um, in, in a big shoe box. And um, the usual advice would be that you digitalize them and you throw away the hard copies. And I'm for now, I'm quite okay not doing this. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching, actually, those looking at those photos and having that ritual with my family with my grandparents uh, or just by myself looking at those photos and and enjoying that and sometimes right now I do the same so my photos in that shoebox is not something that I collected and I haven't looked at in forever I once a year maybe I sit down and I looked at look at them and uh, I remember things I could do this digitally as well mm-hmm. but it has a sentimental value to me right now. Yeah. And I'm okay with this. I'm totally okay with this right now. Otherwise, I don't think so. I mean, it's really it's really um the only thing that that I haven't kind of I but I've consciously decided not to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Actually, another example, I did think of something. I'm also trying to be more mindful and minimalistic with my food. And I'll explain. Obviously, you know, we don't <laughs> We don't starve ourselves, but um, but I started kind of questioning: Do I need the fancy food in my house, or do I need it regularly? I'll explain. To me, minimalism goes hand in hand with um, with personal finance. I think, mm-hmm. and actually, to be honest, I find it difficult to separate those two concepts. I find I think that everybody who is interested in personal finances, who has the personal budget, who maybe tries to save money or invest money, they probably will be looking critically at at their spending, and they will be looking at their at their also Purchases. food expenses, yeah. mm-hmm. purchase of food expenses. And so I started looking at um, at the food that I was buying, 
And what provoked that, Jonathan, was a very interesting story um, that I read on a blog of um, a financially independent blogger. I think it was The Frugal Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's called The Frugal Woods, the blog. And uh, so the author of this blog, she calls herself Mrs. Frugal Woods. She was sharing her tips on saving money on food. And she said something like, we don't buy hummus. We make hummus at home. You know what hummus is. It's yes, basically chickpeas. It. <laughs> yeah, chickpeas, some olive oil, some garlic, and tahini. And tahini is a sesame paste. And uh, she said that they make their own hummus, but they don't add tahini mm-hmm. because it's too expensive for them. And mind you, this is from somebody who is financially independent, who doesn't actually have to work for a living ever again in her life. Mm-hmm. She said, we don't buy tahini because it's too expensive for us. And, you know, some people would say that, uh, you know, hummus without tahini is not hummus. Maybe, you know, some people would pity that family for depriving themselves of, you know, such mm. a simple pleasure as a real hummus. And the others might see that this family is super lucky because they have compromised on this tahini or something else that is, you know, I'm speaking figuratively here. But then in return, they live exactly the life as they want to live. They mm-hmm. live in exactly the place where they want to live. They only do work that they want to do, they make their own life choices. And that's because they've decided to make those compromises on some, you know, some arguably smaller things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I've, uh, I've tried this of, I call it the not chasing the tahini. <laughs> <laughs> nice concept. And, and, yes, yes. So I started revising uh, kind of a, the uh, also the food purchases that I make. Like, do I really need uh, to have maple syrup in the house? Mm-hmm. Do I need to have three different types of rice? I like cooking, but uh, can I make, can I reduce also my food possessions? Can I only have one jar of rice instead of three or four? And that's literally what I used to have, three or four different types of rice in the house. Mm-hmm. Do I need uh, four different types of pasta? Do I need all those sauces in the house? So that has been very helpful. Mm-hmm. because uh, it reduces uh, the food bill. Yeah. It reduces the number of jars in the house. And it also makes it easier in a way to cook because you see everything that you have mm-hmm. and it simplifies everything. And to be honest, I think simplifying is a, is a very important concept for mm-hmm. me. No, that's very good. I, I have something that comes to mind. It's uh, something I've been doing as well over the last year. It's not exactly minimalist. It's more like on the on the grocery shopping. It's you know when you buy some of those ingredients, sauces, I don't know, let's say cheese, parmesan, etc. I used to buy maybe a more fancy brand, like a better quality item. But then I was rethinking the purpose of that item. So, for example, if it's tomatoes that I'm gonna put in a soup, exactly. <laughs> maybe I don't need the the prime tomatoes, or uh, yeah, depending on the on on the dish I make. For example, if I the cheese, maybe I don't need the high quality cheese, the super high quality one. I can have the, the supermarket yeah. one, which is good enough. That yeah. will give me what I need just to like, uh, I don't know, some, some uh, good taste. Because if I buy the high premium one, I personally, I know myself, maybe I will not even taste the difference. It will feel yeah. good, but maybe I will not taste it. So I try at least for, for some of those, if I need to buy the cheese 
to consume the cheese by itself, maybe I will buy higher quality. But in a recipe, maybe I might go to a more basic option. I like that. Yeah. I think um, everybody, everybody has to come up with a formula that suits mm -hmm. them. You know, in my case, for example, I have uh, made a conscious choice to consume less. So in a way, I also need less money mm -hmm. because I need less money in a way I don't need to work the same long hours that uh, that uh, um, that somebody else would or i can allow some flexibility for myself so right now i work for i'm developing my own business right now mm -hmm. my freelance consultancy and it's really uh, i'm really at the beginning of it and that's okay i know that i have my emergency fund if things you know go south mm -hmm. but also i know that i can survive on very little money Yes. Even mm -hmm. me, me and my child, because I'm the sole, uh, I'm the sole earner in in an hour two person household. I know that um, it's okay if I don't earn a lot of money because I don't actually need that much money. On the other hand, that gives me more free time. So, for example, when I want to shop for, you know, figuratively speaking, the cheaper cheese, mm -hmm. yeah. I can, I can, I can, I can spend that time. I can take that time to buy the cheaper cheese because I I'm not going to have to spend this time working for somebody else you know what i mean so yeah. it's all about what suits your situation this is something that suits my situation and i will never be the person to judge somebody else for making different types of choices because i think minimalism is not only about decluttering it's also or decluttering your physical possessions i think it's also and maybe maybe that's more important it's also about decluttering your mental stuff the mental clutter so getting rid of or at least trying to be mindful of thoughts such as judging others or negative thinking or maybe angry thinking so i think that's also that that's also extremely valuable and, and that's something that we also have to be mindful about that uh, what kind of uh, information we surround ourselves with uh, how to minimize uh, the the figurative junk not just the physical junk that's yeah. uh, that surrounds mm -hmm. I think that's very important as well, because otherwise we'll just still, we can be, you know, angry, bitter people with few possessions. And that's not ultimately where we want to get. No, no. I think there's a, you touched a, an important point and it's this mental space. But because the thing is, what I noticed for myself is that when you start with a good habit, and I think decluttering for me is a good habit. It might not be for everyone, not everyone listening, but you start to perform these actions, maybe be more selective in your material possession, but then it has the consequences, as you mentioned, that you uh, maybe might be more mindful with your thoughts and then your time. And that time has become more precious, at least to me. And I think for you as well, yeah. it's important. So it's a chain of events, but I think it, it in a good sense, because then you become maybe more focused on uh, what you are wanting to, per to buy then later on it becomes what you want to spend your time on and your thoughts yes yeah. yes yes i think it's a it's a chain of uh, chain of events and like i think this triangulation of uh, minimalism personal finances and ethical living they really uh, it's very interesting and mm -hmm. it's really for me it's indivisible as i said for me minimalism was not the beginning the beginning was that i wanted to live ethically i wanted to um, kind of a leave uh, 
a cleaner planet for my child mm-hmm. or for the next generations and also also to improve maybe things or at least not to contribute to things getting worse in the present. So that's something that triggered this journey for me. And Mm -hmm. then came, uh, I don't remember what came next, minimalism or personal finance journey for me. I think minimalism probably. Mm -hmm. And and then when you, as you you minimize, you also start being more conscious of, of your financial situation, but it can come very differently from to another person. And I think it's, (laughs) And I think that's important to to kind of to respect also your natural rhythm or your natural inclinations. It might work very differently from for you. But one thing that I will stress, I think it's okay and maybe even necessary to still allow yourself to be a little bit uncomfortable mm-hmm. about with with those thoughts, without with those with those maybe actions towards minimalism. I'm going to I'm going to remove one piece of you know something and i'll see how uncomfortable it makes me if it makes me super uncomfortable like i'm too far out of my comfort zone i start panicking or i start noticing that uh, the absence of that thing then i will reintroduce that maybe but for me you know most of the time it has not been uh, the case i would remove uh, an object an example would be an alarm clock that i never actually used to wake me up. Mm-hmm. I only used it to check the time. I removed it because I think the power went out in the house and then I never never um, uh, reset the time on that on that clock on that uh, on that alarm clock. And I never felt the absence of that alarm clock. I never felt the absence of that object on my on my on my um, bedside table. Like it just it was okay. And then I tried that with a few other things. Like I think I'm gonna a kitchenware was a very a kitchen gear was was a very good example. Like I got rid of like three or four pots and pans. And do you think I missed that once? But not once. Not even a not even like a, a hint of like missing. Oh, where's that mm. pot I needed to make something? Of course not. It's it's uh, you gotta you gotta experiment and you're gonna. Be open to mm-hmm. um, to feeling a little uncomfortable, and maybe you won't. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's a good tip, uh, Janina. Uh, and what would you say besides this tip of uh, daring to be uncomfortable? What would you say mm-hmm. to somebody who who is starting out who says, "Well, look, maybe I want to start reducing clutter. I think uh, what you, I mean, the way you live sounds appealing to me. Or anyway, I think I have too much stuff. Anyway, I need to get rid of stuff, and maybe I'm a uh, it exhausts me mentally, maybe. How would you uh, recommend someone to start uh, his or her journey? Well, I would um, recommend um, experimenting with, uh, I mean, in my case, what worked is one room, going just like room mm-hmm. by room. So, for example, you take your living room, or you can even take like the smallest room in the house where you, maybe you have, you think you might have the most junk. It can be either the kitchen or the bathroom. I think that these two are very good contenders for a lot of unnecessary junk. Yeah. And you can, uh, I think bathroom would be very good because, um, you know, especially if there are women listening to this podcast, <laughs> we have the tendency of having a lot of unnecessary stuff, including expired cosmetics, mm-hmm. which is a really bad thing, uh, in our bathroom, hoping that, you know, one day we'll start using this. Just start with uh, one room and see how how that uh, feels. Another thing that I would recommend is um, is kind of a mindful decluttering. 
I don't think maybe that's something that will work for everybody, but I'll offer the tip in case it works for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, try not just, definitely don't just put things in storage because then it will be clutter in your storage. But try to maybe get rid of fewer things, but do it more mindfully. So first you try to sell it. If you cannot sell it, try to reduce the price or maybe exchange it for something. What I do now, sometimes uh, like my uh, son grows out of his clothes very quickly. So his old clothes are exchanged for, for example, fresh fruit and vegetables that people bring to me and they get free clothes in return. Mm-hmm. So that's that's win-win. If you cannot exchange it, you donate it. If you cannot donate it, then you try to recycle it. Uh, for example, if it's clothes, you, you you take it to some shop that takes clothes for recycling. If it's something else, you take it also to a nearest recycling place. And only then do you throw it out. That that takes time. That takes a bit, bit more effort. But that might give you additional meaning of that process. And um, if you're a parent and try to, and you have children and you want to, you know, and you think that your children are maybe <laughs> partly kind of a, the culprits of uh, that <laughs> stuff that you have in the house, then um, I think it's great to kind of try to get the child on board. And uh, I think it's also important to explain those values to the child, explain why you're doing this, uh, engage with them. And it will usually be a gradual approach. For example, my child is very happy to give some of his toys like to a baby. We have this kind of a, a theoretical baby that is somewhere that that I sometimes ask him, are you ready to give this stuff to the baby? And usually he says no. And just this week, he refused uh, to allow me to digitalize his old drawings Mm because I wanted to, because, you know, they do a lot at school. And uh, I suggested that we do this. And he said, no, he's not ready for this yet. So we just kind of uh, arranged it nicely. And I'm going to try in a few more months. And that's okay as well. So that's a gradual approach. But at the same time, I think it's also important to set boundaries uh, for the child and for yourself. Like if you want to simplify your life, if you want to minimize the uh, physical, but also the mental clutter, the try to also kind of not to sweat the small stuff with your children. For example, simplify your day with your children. You don't, I mean, we all as parents are there to kind of, in a way, service them. We take them to their activities. We take them to their play dates. And for example, if you choose activities that are a little bit closer to the house or if you choose simple play dates in the park instead of something that is logistics heavy, your child will probably be as happy because they will spend time with you or with their friends. And that will be probably less costly to you mm-hmm. and it will less logistics and it will it, it will involve less sort of hassle. So I think just just be gentle with yourself and try to simplify things. And it's okay yeah. to sometimes say no to outrageous requests that your child might be asking you. Can we go a really far away and we need to be there at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning because I want to do an XYZ activity? It's okay to say no because you because that's not going to be simple. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's important as well. Okay, no, very good tips, uh, Janina. And then maybe a, a last point uh, I want to ask you is, uh, of course, personal finance and money. So... You touched up upon it. Huh? We we mentioned that mm-hmm. you, you can save some uh, money, but what has been what have been the consequences on your personal finances since you 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 really started this process? 
since I started this process, I realized that there's one habit that I've um, nearly eliminated, fingers crossed, that it lasts, mm -hmm. and that is the habit of impulse purchasing. Okay. I don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't have the urge to go spend some money when I'm feeling bored or or tired or angry or you know sad. So that's very nice. And that has obviously um, liberated some cash. What I've managed to do is, as I mentioned already, I've constituted a really uh, solid um, emergency or contingency fund mm -hmm. for myself that I have in my, my savings account. And that means that uh, I uh, can allow for some flexibility with uh, uh, professionally. Yeah. I earn less money right now, and that's okay because I know that you know, I'm in a way protected. If I'm going to be completely out of work, I have about nine months worth of, um, of expenses saved, mm -hmm. uh, with additional money. I've started, I've started, um, I've started exploring some kind of a investment okay. uh, strategies. Uh, I am a very, very new investor, you know, investing in some index funds mm -hmm. and, uh, one thing, and uh, again, that I, here I'm talking to maybe appealing more to people who could be in a similar situation uh, to mine, which is, uh, you know, you are uh, somebody, you know, you're, I'm in my early 40s, you are, can be a woman or a man, uh, but maybe doesn't work in private sector, has never worked in private sector. So we have very little exposure to all things financial, mm -hmm. extremely little exposure. We have uh, uh, lived for a long time with this mantra, I'm a human rights professional. I work in social affairs. I'll never be rich. I'll never have money. I don't need a financial plan. That's very wrong thinking. So I really urge people <laughs> who are in a similar situation to mine not to fall into the same trap and expose and explore some financial kind of uh, protection, financial growth strategies that are suitable for you. Mm -hmm. So with me, I've chosen index investing. I've also done some other investment uh, kind of uh, uh, act activities that that are more experimental, but that's just something that I'm comfortable with right now. Mm -hmm. But mostly, uh, mostly, I think uh, it has given me the security that. Uh, that I can do other things now because I don't need to think constantly think about uh, working hard to fund my expensive habits, my yeah. expensive lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. No, excellent, Yanini. I think we we come at the end of the show, and I want to thank you very much for sharing your your story with us, your tips. Thank you. I think there thank were quite you. some uh, useful tips for anyone, so I really appreciated that. And uh, of course, I'm a fan as well of decluttering and minimalism and creating good habits for oneself. So, of course, I'm uh, very excited to, to share this later on with the audience. But, uh, Janina, before I let you go, we always, as you know, we always have our three quick fire questions at the yes. end of the show. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay, so we talked about investments, but you're pretty new, I understand. But my first question is always, what has been your best investment so far? I actually do have an investment that I'm super confident about that it was a very good one. Mm -hmm. And it's not an investment in a traditional sense. A few years ago, I bought a summer cottage in Estonia. Okay. So it's a tiny little hut. It's literally a hut mm -hmm. with only basic comfort. It's in the countryside. But the, um, the enjoyment that me and my family have gotten out of this place is, um, is incredible. 
So it's a place we all get together. We do some physical work in the garden. You know, we work with the earth. We uh, enjoy our short Estonian summer there. We do some <laughs> barbecues there. We, uh, it's been, it didn't cost a lot of money because uh, it was just a cheap place, but mm -hmm. because, I mean, it's not a fancy place. But I'm feeling super confident that it was the, really the right thing for my family. I mean, I feel how my parents have, like, their aging has slowed down because they have that place that they go to and they have great time there. They really enjoy it. And to be honest, I was, I think it also wasn't the worst financial idea in the long run because that place is in a rapidly developing neighborhood. So I expect that its value will be growing if oh, ever <laughs> I, if ever I decide to sell it, but that's not going to happen in, in any near future. Yeah. So that was a very good investment for me. Oh, excellent. Like it, like the idea. <laughs> and um, number two, uh, what is, a book that you can recommend to anyone and it does not need to be a financial book. Okay. So we spoke today quite a lot about the habits mm -hmm. and it also so happens that the book that I'm going to recommend is about habits. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. Mm -hmm. And it has, um, it's a, quite a short book and it offers practical support to, uh, to help integrate good habits in your life and also get rid of bad habits using very small kind of a feasible changes like atomic, like uh, size habit, uh, changes. Yeah. So uh, I like this book very much. It builds on earlier research done by, 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 by other authors. And so it's a really practical manual about things that you can integrate in your life. And I very much recommend uh, this book to anybody who would like to revise their habits and maybe get new habits um, in their life. Yeah, it's an excellent book. I read it as well. You read so, it as well. Of course. Okay. I, I'm, I, I like the, this kind of stuff. And okay. uh, I read as well The Power of Habit, uh, which is yes, yes, usually yes. less recommended, but it's, uh, I would say it's more theoretical. It's interesting. Exactly. Let's yeah. say more academic. And then Atomic yeah. Habits is more like, okay, the practicalities, how do you do it? How do you actually yeah. do it? Yeah. 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 I found it very useful. Yeah. Okay. Excellent recommendation, Yanina. And then a last one. What is the best purchase you can recommend for under 100 euros? Also an easy one because I'm using it right now. It's my headset mm -hmm. um, that I got on sale uh, somewhere. So I think I only paid 50 euros. It oh, originally perfect. cost 75 euros. So it's probably not the highest range, but it does the job of uh, uh, of. of letting me listen to podcasts and music and books and uh, doing this on the go. I mean, I'm a, I'm a single mom. Uh, I don't have a lot of me time. So sometimes my, my only me time of the day is on the way to school to pick up my child. And that's mm -hmm. the 15 minutes that I listen to the stuff that I like listening to, including to your podcast. Great. And that's, <laughs> and that's, uh, that's really a good value for me. So I, it's something that I use every day and uh, it's changed a lot of habits that I have. Oh, okay. Excellent. Really liked how it all blends together, actually. Very <laughs> Thank cool. You. Well, uh, Janina, so we've met on Twitter, so I can link to your uh, Twitter account if you want in the show notes so people can interact with you sure a any other place no as minimalist uh, a wannabe minimalist <laughs> that i am yeah. i try to actually reduce not increase my presence on social media on twitter i'm mostly active professionally so if you're interested in human rights disability rights uh, <laughs> central asia then you're welcome or you can always get in touch with me there um, okay by direct by direct message okay excellent 
Okay, well, Janina, it was a pleasure to have you on. Uh, great to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Bye. Bye. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. And if you found it useful, please make sure you share it with a friend or you can also rate the show in your favorite podcast app. This will help the show to grow. So if you do so, thank you very much. And now before moving on to the key takeaways, I wanted to let you know that I left a little surprise in the show notes. So please click in your app to the show notes and then I left a little video. It's a song and I think it's very well uh, tied to uh, today's topic. So please have a look and let me know what you think. And now let's go through the key takeaways. Number one, on the Diderot effect, do not enter the spiraling consumption cycle introduced by a new fancy piece of clothing, for example. Don't become a slave of your new gown. Don't become a slave of your possession. Number two, on children and minimalism. As a young parent, it's easy to try to buy the best for your child, whether it's a herbal tea from Canada, a special pram or a safe car seat. I mean, be discerning and remember that some of these items may not even solve your problem in the first place. Set a good example as well to your children so they can see that you walk the talk. And the tip I really liked is, is there a toy library where you live? You know, children do not need that many toys at the same time. Their attention span is limited and as well help them also find joy in free activities. Number three, minimalism. Understand why you do this, not only because it's trendy and allow yourself to be uncomfortable. Take your time, do it gradually. It's a journey. Also, another uh, uh, funny insight, interesting point I found is, yeah, be minimalistic with your food as well. Declutter your mental clutter and not only your physical possessions. Minimize the mental junk as well. I like this one as well, I must say. <laughs> another one on minimalism, ethical living, personal finance and minimalism form a triangulation. I mean, they're interlinked. And as well, minimalism can start from different places. It really depends on your life circumstances. Number four. How do you start with minimalism? Start small, start with decluttering one room. Do as well mindful decluttering. That means for each item, think about what you want to do with it. You can sell it. If that doesn't work, you can exchange it. You can also donate it or even in the last resort, recycle it. This takes effort, but it gives more meaning to the whole process. And it may not be for everyone, as Janino was saying. As well, what you can do is to try to get your children on board so they participate in this whole process. And as well, in general, try to simplify your activities and your schedule. And last point for today, the positive consequences of minimalism. For Janina, this resulted, for example, in reduced impulse purchases, more money to save for an emergency fund, more flexibility in case of difficulties at work. And as well, this has also led her to explore more financial protection and financial growth strategies. Her focus is not anymore to work hard to fund an expensive lifestyle. So yes, as you can see, minimalism really changed her life. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me if you have any questions or feedback. Send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.